It's my delight this evening to welcome our guest preacher, the Reverend Sarah Scott. You will read about Sarah in the bulletin. Sarah and her husband John, John is a university organist, they have two beautiful daughters, Rowan and Piper. You might expect that I would begin this as a papa myself, and having had these two beautiful girls in my study with their mother. And I think she was worried when she came to see me that her daughters might act up. <laughs> but that was not the case at all. They were beautiful daughters. I look forward to seeing them again. Sarah spoke to me this evening. She said, you might be interested to know that we had three kids born this morning. I said, what are you saying to me? Then I realized she's talking about goats. <laughs> when Sarah and John moved from the Bridgewater area to this area for her to assume responsibilities as chaplain at Grandview Manor, I know they were looking for a place where they could have a small farm. I'm delighted to know that you have that place, and it's a place of joy. For those of you who know Sarah at all, you will know that she is an exuberant young woman. Uh, the Word of God says to choose leaders full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. Uh, this has been my experience with Sarah since I've known her. She delights in a relationship with Christ. She longs for people to know what it means to have the abundant life that Christ alone can bring. You will see from the bulletin that she's had international experience working with inner city boys from Glasgow who were brought to the Isle of Iona in Scotland to experience life outside the drug-filled streets. She is a compassionate young woman who offers the compassion of Jesus to those she serves at Grandview Manor in the seniors' residence. But I know you're someone who relates extremely well to all ages and that's who we are here tonight, all ages. So we look forward to what you have to share with us as a servant of Christ and a minister of the gospel. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. What a privilege to belong to the family of God. It is my absolute joy-filled pleasure to be here this evening. And it's not just because I didn't have to cook supper. <laughs> but that was nice. And it's not just because I didn't have to do the hand-washing after, but that was nice. And it's not because I get the night off putting the toddlers to bed. That's very nice. <laughs> In fact, if it seems like I'm dawdling towards the end of the message, my children aren't what you call sleepers. And I'm not going home. <laughs> Until they're asleep. <laughs> the real source of my pleasure, of course, in being here is to share the wisdom from a book that I love. To join with you in prayers for this journey ahead and to celebrate with you in praising our God. I was mortified when Harry called asking if I would speak, not at the offer of speaking because I'm pleased to share with this community that I love. I was mortified at the behavior of my three-year-old while I was on the phone. You see, I answered the phone and I said, Oh, hi, Harry. 
I didn't understand at the time, I figured it out afterwards, we have a little nephew named Harrison, who's six. And Rowan, my three-year-old, thought, I said, oh, hi, Harry, and it was Harry. And so she asked quietly, I want to talk to Harry. <laughs> and you know, when you're on the phone to someone very important and you have a toddler, you more often you just ignore them. And you try to get further and further away from them. And if you know some laws of physics, the further you try to get away from a toddler, the louder they become. And she kept getting louder and louder. I want to talk to Harry. I want to talk to Harry. And Harry, Harry said, I wouldn't mind talking to Harry. <laughs> Parenting is not what I expected. It's really hard work. You hear that it's hard work, and your friends tell you that it's hard work, but nothing can prepare you to become a parent. I thought, I've been a camp counselor. I can, you know, I can take eight or nine kids at a time, like two, you know, no problem. Nothing can prepare you <laughs> for that moment. You know, that moment when you go out to the car and you see the box of crayons spilt on the front seat on a hot day. And that molten lava, albeit beautiful, you know, dripping down through the fabric. And then you come inside and you see one toddler drinking the dregs of your cold coffee from the counter, while the other one is drinking the brine from the feta. <laughs> Nothing can prepare you for those moments. Nothing can prepare you for the mess of parenting. I was an expert diaperer by the time I became a mother. It wasn't a big deal to me. But nothing could have prepared me for that moment when at a month old, you know how you change a diaper for a little one, you know, you hold their feet with one hand and you sort of pull their legs back, sort of like you're cocking a gun back. <laughs> and at that same moment in time, they're not quite done. <laughs> and at that same moment in time, they have to sneeze. <laughs> Nothing can prepare you for that moment. We called it the poop cannon. <laughs> it was, it was, it was and the words that they say to you, the theology, having a master's of divinity, you think you'd be able to teach a child about the Lord and answer their questions. And the prayers that they have. Little Piper, she's our little Californian surfer prayer. She just says, God, sex, amen. And that's it. Rowan said the other night, Dear God, please be quiet. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> amen. And then another night she says, Dear God, and then nothing for minutes. And finally, I just, I just started to pray, you know. And she said, Mom, God wasn't done talking yet. You know, what do you say? Nothing can prepare you for those moments to be able to answer your children well. And the exhaustion of parenting, you know, the two... Piper wakes up at 11, falls asleep at 1. Roan wakes up at 2, falls asleep at 4. Piper wakes up at 5, falls asleep at 6.30. Rowan's awake at 7 for the day. My parents are here. They can testify. I'm not lying here. These children are crazy. Nothing can prepare you for the hard work of parenting. It's messed up. 
And you have to ask yourself, why would anyone do it? I've come up with three things about parenting. Parenting is hard work. And God calls each and every one of us to do something hard. And when God calls us to a purpose, he will give us the strength to do it with grace. And this is what Paul is talking about in the book of Colossians. From the very beginning of the book to the end. It's a book for pastors. And I'd encourage you tonight when you go home, if you're Bible writers like I am, write in your Bible under Colossians that this was the graduation uh, scripture for you. Because I don't trust you'll remember anything I say. <laughs> write it in tonight that the book of Colossians is a book a message for pastors, because the Paul is speaking to a group of lay ministers, and he's sending them out. This is like the graduating class of 62. <laughs> Not 1962, but 62. <laughs> and Paul's in prison, and so he has to commission this group of believers who already are, are known to be loving and passionate and knowledgeable. Uh, he knows this, but he needs to commission them to minister to a church. And the church in Colossians, uh, the Colossian church, I should say, was one of complexity. And it reminds me of our church today. This is not, uh, maybe it will remind you of you. In, in the church in this day, there was a mixture of people. There was the Jewish Christians that wanted to put rules to everything and to, to make things legal, you know, to hold us to ritual. There were the Phrygian Christians who wanted to mix up human philosophy and human traditions with the church. There was the Greek Christians who, they could dig God as divine and they could dig Jesus as a man, but putting the two together really uh, just rubbed them the wrong way. There was the proto-Gnostic Christians who got themselves all spinning in angel worship and secret knowledge and Christ is great but only one of many. And Paul was speaking to the group of ministers going out into that church. And I'd like to highlight again another verse from that Colossians passage. And I'm reading from the message because I think it uh, captures the pastoral sentiment of the passage. It says... Uh, this is from about verse 9. Be assured from the first day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you. Asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will. We pray that you will live well for the master. Making him proud of you as you work in his orchard. Isn't a beautiful image for here in the valley? As you were, I remember when I was when I was sitting here, I thought I'd rather pick apples and work in the church. <laughs> Jonah, <laughs> as you work hard in His orchard, as you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you will have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength that God gives. It is a strength that endures the unendurable and spills out into joy. Thanking the Father who makes us strong enough 
to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. It's a beautiful, positive message, but we need to pay attention to the difficulty in that text. Why is Paul praying that they will have the strength to stick it out? Why is Paul praying that they will have that strength for the long haul to endure the unendurable? Because ministry is hard. It is hard, hard labor. And before we skip over to the joy and the thanksgiving, we need to acknowledge that. Because before we commission you, we have to acknowledge and count the cost. We have gathered in this body many ministers of the gospel. As I look out and I see uh, many of the men and women that I've looked up to as they uh, serve the church, I need your help. I'd ask that you would stand if you were uh, or are a minister of the gospel, if that was your vocation, whether it's in education or in the church. Would you mind standing for me? commissioned in 2003. That means 11 years of ministry for me. How many years of ministry? What are people's years? 16? 59? Can anyone be 59? (laughs) I hope we all can someday. We have a lot of years of working for the Lord represented here. And I ask you this question, in a moment but not yet. If you've ever struggled in your ministry, Paul uses the word struggle. If you've ever found yourself in a place of brokenness because of the strain of your calling, if you've ever wept because of the cup that was put before you of service, please sit down. In the King James Version, I've been digging the King James Version lately. (laughs) My homies read the King James Version. (laughs) And I love it how the King James puts this verse in uh, 29. It says, To this end I labor, struggling. I hear that word labor in a new way these days. And it's appropriate. It's appropriate because that's what ministry is. It is a labor. It is the birth of a child. And it is a struggle. It is difficult. Paul says, to this end I labor, struggling. And the enemy would like that sentence to end right there. The enemy would like to put a period at the end of that sentence, make it a light sentence. To this end I labor, struggling. But it's not what Paul says. He says, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works within me.
I'd ask once again, ministers of the gospel, if this has been your experience. I'm calling on you to testify once more to this graduating class. You've testified to the brokenness that comes with ministry. But would you testify to the healing power of the Spirit, the strength of the Spirit that lifts you up? And so I'd ask once more in your years of ministry, did you experience that after that crushing strain? Did you experience the strength of the Lord giving you the strength to carry on? If so, signify by standing once more. Class of 2014, you are not alone. You are woven into a rich, ancient, strong tapestry of love. Be encouraged. You may be seated. I say to be encouraged because that word has lost a bit of its flavor. But the meaning of the word encourage is a military term. Isn't that odd? You think, I think of encouragers. There was a group at, at Bridgewater Baptist, the encouragers group. And they got together and they wrote little cards to one another, you know, and they, they'd encourage you. That, that's my idea of encouragement, you know, like just encouraging one another. But the word encouragement is a military term. The original word, they took the French word, encourage. And it was something that they would shout as they were going over, you know, the trenches, they would shout it to one another, encourage. And if that's the, the spirit that we are sending you out from this place, encourage, because we are sending you out to something difficult and something good. Colossians goes on and says, verse after verse after verse, a message for pastors. It says that you are not alone. And I'll read verse 6 of chapter 2. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Jesus Christ, the Master. Now live in Him. You are deeply rooted in Him. You are well constructed upon Him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Colossians encourages you to pray diligently. Encourages the whole community uh, saying, pray that we might proclaim it, it being the message, clearly as we should. And know that you are not alone in that proclamation. For surely... The Lord is with you. And we can say together as believers, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. He maketh me to in green pastures. He leads me beside. He restoreth. He leadeth me in paths of for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of I will, for thou art, thy rod and thy staff, they, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of, thou anointest my head with, 
my cup, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The last word of Colossians, Paul's last word to the graduating class of 62, was grace. Grace be with you. And so it's mine, class of 2014. May the Lord give you grace. Grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big or something good. Grace to remember that this world is too dark for anything but truth. Too dangerous for anything but love. So may God take your lips and speak through them. May God take your hands and serve through them. May God take your hearts and set them on fire. For Jesus, our Savior. Amen.